0: Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where we do all we can to help people walk toward His love. I'm your host, Sean McCraney. I want to thank Seth and Wendy for working hard to get the show off. You get these technical issues, man. You need people to know what they're doing to fix them. And so here we are. We're a little bit late, but let's begin with a word of prayer. Always a word of prayer. Lord, we love you and seek you, need you, and recognize your presence in this world uh, whether others do or not. We pray that we'll help bring unity to the body uh, of believers around the world uh, in whatever means or whatever way that we can. And we pray that your blessings will be upon seekers tonight in the content in Jesus' name. Amen. I guess there's been some difficulty uh, with the new approach. And so I want to explain it to you in really simple terms. On Monday nights, Monday nights, one half hour, you can tune in to hotm.tv.faith and you can watch through YouTube, Sean McCraney, Heart of the Matter, and you can watch 30 minutes of presentation. You can make comments, you can make notes, you can send whatever you want. You can communicate with others there. Then Tuesday night, tonight, we go live and we talk about the content and the comments that were made about last night's show. That's the new approach. That's all it really is. But there's one thing that's uh, important is that we have five means of communicating back and forth with each other through Heart of the Matter. The first way is live chat comments that you can make live chat. You can make them on the show. You can make them right now. You can uh, make them afterward. You just put little comments there on the YouTube channel. Then you can also send us emails Sean at Aletheamedia.com, and then you can also call in. Tonight, we invite you to start calling in right now if you want at 801-590-8413. Make sure they understand Monday is not live. You got to understand last night was not live. It's pre-recorded. Every Monday night's not live. Don't call in, but Tuesday night's live night. Monday night, presentation night. Tuesday night, live night to talk about presentation night. I think you'll get the hang of it. But also, we're going to open up uh, our studio audience to come forward and use a microphone and sit and ask questions themselves here. So we have uh, trying to keep communications open because that way we learn. I can be challenged and tested on the things I believe. You might bring something new to me that can rock my whole presentation, and, and we can go uh, from there. So with that, we want to show you something that we do. Uh, you know, our church campus is small, and uh, we reach people out. We have more people who watch online than they actually attend here. But once a year, we do a, a heart in the parking lot, open water baptism, and we have a little video that Wendy put together to show you all about that.
1: Better than to just be here eating and goofing off and we haven't had any baptisms today and Preston he's been coming here for a while, he just walked up, and did any, anything, he says, Let's do it this way. He said, I've lived a really wild, bad life, and uh, haven't we all? And yet he uh said when I was baptized up here, there's anything against it, but uh, he didn't make that choice. And now he's making the choice to be baptized in Jesus' name. Uh God witnesses angels and uh, he wants to dedicate his life to his heart. And this is when it really matters. What an honor for us to be you able know, to participate in this. Our brothers are going to get behind you and uh anything you want me to join nope. yeah. All right, from the then and in on behalf of the faith that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ and the desire that you have to know truth and to uh, pursue Him and to change directions and things that you feel are important in your life by your own woman volition. We gather around you. Women, you can join us too. It's not just a male thing. We baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son.
0: Apparently, we, uh, we vicariously baptized the cat. So uh, anyway, that was a great time. And uh, baptisms, uh, even though I, I, I don't put a big emphasis on water baptism, but I think they're a beautiful thing. The one guy who got baptized there, you know, he's had a lot of problems in his life. And uh, my son-in-law, he's not a really super believer guy. He's, he believes in God and stuff. My, my oldest daughter's husband, he was there. And he said later, uh, it, it was really honest what he did. That was very honest from him. And, uh, and he noticed that about it. So I thought that was great. Anyway, uh, last night on the presentation part of the approach, building on what we introduced the week before on communion, we talked about the LDS sacrament. And specifically, we talked about how they covenant to obey the commandments that Jesus has given them that they may always have His Spirit to be with them. And we talked at length about that. Let's go to your online comments and emails as we open up the phone lines and invite you to call in 801-590-8413. 801-590-8413. 801-590-8413. And we also invite you, uh, if you're here in the studio audience, to come forward if you have something to say, and we'll talk face-to-face. Last week's call-in show, uh, when we were, last Tuesday, uh, Barbara, she said, excellent, love the focus on unity and love. Really want to focus on that. Excellent focus on unity and love is exactly right. And uh, and if anything, I know I, I'm hard on denominations and their practices but I am not hard on people who will belong to those denominations and seek and choose to to follow them so Susan she wrote Sean thank you for helping me leave the Mormon church keep up the good work knife to a gunfight is amazing you don't preach a new uh, you don't preach a new domination just love yeah we don't want domination we don't want denomination uh, knife to a gunfight I really do recommend it to you. It's an audio, and you can just listen to each chapter, 22 of them. Some are longer, some are short, but it's worth it. Howard says, I'm going to read your book because Kathy likes it so much. He posted that. Gwyneth from Germany wrote, I love your teaching. You have brought me so far in my journey out of 40 years as a true believing Mormon Pity I can't come and visit. It would take too long from Germany, the fatherland. Or do they call it the motherland? I can never remember. Am, uh, enjoy your videos and episodes of your book. Great stuff. Thank you. Love and blessings from Grandma Gwen. And then ex-Mormon for Christ alone wrote, Amen, my brother. This is the way. There is no Jew. There's no Gentile, Greek, male, female, bond-free, Catholic, Protestant, Baptist, or Mormon for those who are in Christ. That's the message. The religions are going to muck it all up, including campus. We're going to get in the way of what God wants. Uh, But... uh, We are one in Christ as ex-Mormon for Christ alone, just as Christ and the Father are one. He came to make us one, not with divisions among us. He says, I believe we'll come to unity of the faith one day. It is written, there is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. And I agree with that completely, and I love that message. Melissa says, Fantastic show, my brother in Christ. The idea of unifying each other instead of tearing people apart. Wow, what a great concept in this day and age. People like Michael who give you all these essays regarding why they practice. We have to pray for them because he doesn't have a great life. I didn't read this before. I'm sorry. Uh, All he has is religion and one heck of a... Okay, he he goes... (laughs) Anyway, I didn't read that one. But uh, in any case... Uh, I just want to tell you that we are trying to unite people who believe in Christ and, and, and get all people to have respect for others, whatever way they are approaching. And it sounds like ecumenism and it sounds like uh, trying to bring in a universalist approach. It's not at all. It's simply saying that's subjective uh, Christianity. We let people worship how they want. We let them worship where they want. And we love people. But it doesn't stop us from criticizing what uh, brick and mortars do in the name of God. And that will continue on. And sometimes those lines get crossed. Uh, Bo, Sean, a question. First things first. I've watched all your videos on Mormonism. And they have been incredible as a witnessing tool. My question is when you were very Arminian with your thinking back scroll. With your thinking back, with your thinking back, my thinking back, my back has always been quite a thinker. Anything? Uh, Are you still Arminian? Uh, I'm not Arminian. I am obviously not uh, Calvinistic either. Um, uh, I am a reconciliationist. And so really simply put, Bo, what that means is Calvinism says God chooses and elects and that's it. Arminianism says God wants everybody to come to heaven, but his hands are tied because of free will. So he loses to man in their free will. And I believe that God, uh, he will have his way in the end. And that he will and has reconciled the world to himself by and through his son. And he gives everybody free will to choose and be who they want in that process. So I'm a reconciliationist. I'm not on the Calvinist side and I'm not on the Arminianist side. We have a brother uh, and this someone was alluding to that in one of the comments. His name's Michael Lee. And, uh, you know, I just got to say this because he posts a lot of stuff. And he has a he has a position to take, and that's fine. I I don't mind being tested. I don't mind being challenged and questioned. Um, but there is a way that goes that it has that it happens with people. And after a while, you know what their ambition is. So um, my my issue with people is about intention. If your intention is to just talk and share and say this is how I see it, you can read that between the lines of what people write and say. And so no problem, you know, that's fine. But when the intent is to try to uh, malign someone else's views, including mine, uh, personal views, then I start to take that personally and I really don't, uh, don't like it. We've had guests on the show and we have, have had atheists and we've had other guests who come and we're able to talk back and forth reasonably and love these people, and and they love me, apparently, and we just part ways, and we don't agree with each other. It's fine. But we've also had people on this stage, always from the denominationalist, religionist side, and they fervently are out to, you know, call you a heretic, or say you're a walking contradiction, or that you're going to hell, and you're not a Christian, and you were never saved, and all this junk that we use against each other. So when these communications start to seep into conversations, and I see them with Michael uh, sometimes he's on there with you guys making comments. I just, I, just, uh, I just can't get behind them. I can't even answer them. And so uh, I just wanted to address that. Uh, but it all makes, I love emails like the one we, this one I'm going to read to you right now, which comes from England. Uh, it's from contact3606, who says, what more can I say except thank you, Sean? By the way, I totally agree. Being a follower of Jesus Christ is all about love and serving one another in love through love. Only the Lord can change people's hearts. But when we show love to others on his behalf, I believe it can open a desire in them to want to build a relationship with the Savior. I like the story of the north wind. The more the wind blew uh, on his coat, the tighter he held it around him. But the more the sun beamed down upon the man, the man removed his coat and enjoyed the gift of the warmth that the sun had to shower upon him. Thank you for showing the hand of friendship to myself and many others. It's truly appreciated. P.S. I do still attend my church, LDS, I'm sure, in England, but I know that I am truly saved, not by anything I have done or can do, but because of the love and grace of my dear Savior, which he has shown me. Do you know how important that is? I don't agree with whoever that person is with their way of practicing religion, but they don't agree with mine either. But the fact that that person can say that they attend a, a, an LDS church, that they believe it's all about love, they still attend that church and they can watch this show, that says a lot about the maturity of that, of that writer. And that's what we're looking for. We're never going to agree on whether Catholicism or Orthodoxy or Mormonism is right in this way or that way. That's what these guys try to do. They try to come in and their intent is to say it's my way or the highway, here's why. Not realizing that all the information in the world isn't going to change the mind of somebody who is who firmly believes the way they are living is okay. So anyway, regarding last night's show on the commandments, Curtis Whitener said, Sean, I think there's a big difference I discovered after leaving Mormonism and becoming a Christian in the LDS sacrament prayer because they say uh, that... Uh, that the LDS believe that the spirit is with you, versus the spirit living in you is what Christians say. And he says that's the fact that God lives in me. That's what I love. Such a great point. Thanks, my brother. And he uh, he says, um, and that's such a big difference. Christians believe that when you're born from above, as Jesus talks about to Nicodemus in John three that the Holy Spirit dwells, moves inside you. Christ lives in me is what Paul says. Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And so that indwelling of the Spirit is what Curtis is talking about. And Curtis is saying how he is so grateful to understand that now. You see, because if the Holy Spirit is only with you, Externally, like the Mormons teach, the Holy Spirit will depart from you when you fail. And that's what they teach. And so there's a big difference in the Holy Spirit being with you more when you fail than the Holy Spirit abandoning you when you fail. You see the difference? And that's a legalistic religion. That's the difference between the two. Great point. Uh, three itty-bitty, bitty piggies. story time said, this was excellent, Sean, it seems that Pharisees, F-A-I-R-S-E-S, have a leg up on the Pharisees, P-H-A-R-I-S-E-E-S, for sure. The letter of the law never looks so daunting. Great job. Barbara wrote, don't forget how the Mormons are adamant, talking about their sacrament about their sacrament prayer being recited perfectly word for word or else the poor guy who messes up the one word has to repeat the entire sacrament prayer until he gets it right. I used to cringe when I heard the the word wrong heard the word wrong and hear a word skipped knowing the guy not only had to do it again but also had to endure the shame of not being perfect in the act of saying the sacrament prayer. I swear with God as my witness, my good friend growing up, my best friend growing up, next door neighbor, he's a state president in L.A. now, he can attest to this story. Uh, but when we were kids, it was before we were deacons, Randy Reese, who was a stutterer, hand to God, honest truth, went to give the sacrament prayer and he blew it. And I swear to you, from my recollection, I know I was young, he had to have attempted it 20 times. And he got declined every single time and he never got it right. He never got to give the sacrament prayer. And my friend who can attest to this, who's the stake president, he and I were, I'm sorry, it's terrible. We were in tears laughing at the scene. I didn't have any sense then. I was an idiot. Now I would have tears and they would be from sorrow over the fact that Randy repeatedly had to retry to do the prayer because he stuttered. You know, it's unbelievable. All right, Elvira says, where is the best place to start when trying to learn about preterism? I would go to the Preterist Archive online. I would check that out. I would look at Glenn Hill's book, Christianity's Greatest Dilemma. I would start there. And then I will also go to, when you start to learn more about it, because this guy's heavy, Don Preston. If you just look up Don Preston and preterism, uh, and you can ask him questions, he will answer all your questions about the preterist eschatology. And I just want to say this for our audience who doesn't know what that is, because we do have an, uh, an email here. I'm going to read, I mean, a comment here from someone who comments on preterism. But preterism, there's, there's several ways to look at the study of the end of things in the scripture. You can look at it from a futurist perspective. That means as a Christian, you believe everything that's, most things that are talked about in scripture are happening in our future. And, and so they say that people who are futurists read the Bible with a newspaper in their hand. Ah, uh, homosexuality is on the rise. Oh, it says in the last days this will happen. Oh, look at the Middle East. Oh, it says that this is going to happen. And futurists see the end times constantly coming. They've been seeing them constantly coming for nearly 2,000 years, the futurists. The preterist view, uh, and I'm skipping the others, simply says... The things that are talked about in the covers of the, of the old and new, between the covers of the Genesis to Revelation, have been fulfilled. Now, there's two groups in preterism. There's a lot of groups, but I'm going to simplify it. There's one group that are called partial preterists. They think things have partially been fulfilled. And then there is a group called full preterists, and they think everything's been fulfilled. I happen to be a full preterist. I think that the entire, all the prophetic contents of the book relative to Jesus coming and the spiritual reign of the kingdom of God upon the earth that will be headquartered in heaven, I believe is here. And I think it happened in 70 AD with the destruction of Jerusalem. Uh, And that is my stance. And I support it by a contextual understanding of scripture. So uh, that is the answer to our online guest Justin Blackburn says wine is biblical, water is outright wrong. So right there, he's taking a stand. It's wrong for the LDS to use tap water in their communion services. I think it's appalling. I don't know about wrong because I don't think the communion, but I don't agree with it for sure. If you're going to have communion, I think it should be wine, grape juice, and unleavened bread. But they do whatever kind of bread and water, so he says it's wrong. John O'Reardon says, Sean, what do your tattoos mean? And it's really interesting because our our friend and our supporter and our uh, tech guy in Sweden, Michael, who does all of our stuff over there and building the sites and stuff, He is creating a new Heart of the Matter Redux page and he has a section in there that gives the explanation for all these things. So we're going to wait for that to come up and you can see them and if they make any sense to you, you'll be one in a million. Uh, Christine says, I spent 30 years feeling guilty that I couldn't keep all the LDS rules and commandments. It really took a toll on my mental health and self-worth. Thank you for your words of wisdom and truth. Oh well, Christine you're not alone I tried to To live up to the things I was Supposed to and uh, it Didn't last long and it's too much Pressure and that yoke Which is going to be the coming next Monday's uh, message That yoke crushes You so we're going to talk about the yoke That is put upon people by Christ And the yoke that is put upon them By Mormonism And it does crush people uh, so we'll Be talking about that then Um, let's move on. Abandoned Beauty says, hey, it's good to always hear you talk. Can I ask for some advice? First, I'm not a Mormon, uh, but I did go to the church to see what it was like. To me, it was scary. But I have been baptized as a child in the Catholic Church, but I didn't know anything about it. And what I was going to do or what was going on. But as an adult, I know why now. But I don't believe in religion or church, but I do believe in God. I do want to be baptized, but I don't know where and who by. Could you give me advice on this? Well, if you live in Utah, you can come here and we'll do it anytime you want, except it's in the winter. Uh, You can. Most churches won't do it unless you do some sort of membership or allegiance to that church. But I'm sure you could find a Christian who's liberal enough who would be willing to baptize you. they can be male, they can be female, they can be of any age, and all they do is, is, is help you get down in the water and help you get back up. If you can't find a Christian, uh, and I say a Christian, someone who professes faith, I don't care the the denomination they go to. you know you have to decide uh, abandoned beauty, how you um, Uh, If you want to be baptized in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or if you want to be baptized in Jesus name alone and what you want to say at your baptism, if you want to be sprinkling or splashing or immersion, all of those things are debatable in Scripture as to how it actually went down. So you decide that thing. And if you can get a Christian who believes and does it, then do it. If you can't baptize yourself, you know, go in. I mean, it's from the heart. So go to some body of water and just say, Lord, I'm, I don't have anybody to do it. I, I believe and I'm going to baptize myself. I think he'd be stoked on that you know i will. if you have someone who loves you enough that they want to be baptized in your name the only thing about that is is that baptism traditionally is an outward expression of an inward faith and it's supposed to be a public event so others can see you and support you in your walk that's why christian churches want you to do it in association with membership with them because when they baptize you at their church the pastor does it or whoever does it other members can see it and then they can help you in your walk. And if you want that, find a church that you agree with and have them do it. All right, uh, then this is from Google Play. He, I think Google's a he. Maybe Google's, okay. I have a couple questions that I don't think you've touched on. Please point me in the right direction if I miss them. Do you think Satan has or will be reconciled back to God? Back to his original intended purpose as Lucifer, or as he is also a creation, or do you consider this adversary as our sinful nature, uh, or would you be willing to share your position on this? My position is Satan was a fallen angel. Satan had a different realm of experience than humans so we don't have the same thing going on with Satan and God as we do with humans and God. Why? Satan has firsthand knowledge of God and the rebellion was in his face. So I don't think that there is a reconciliation of Satan. Even though he's a created being, I don't think that Satan uh, gets uh, uh, reconciled to God by the propitiation of Christ's uh, shed blood for the sins of the world. Because he had 1st hand face-to-face activity with God himself and rebelled. I believe Satan, because Jesus returned in 70 AD, has been cast into the lake of fire along with hell. And I believe that, that Satan and his reign over things is over with. Bad is not over with. Darkness is not over with. People still do evil, but it's from their own imagination and hearts. We can come up with as much crazy evil things as Satan could get us to think. So that little imp, that little player for the house of Israel is gone. Second question as regarding the second coming in 70 AD. Because of this fulfillment having already taken place, do you think the earth will remain always, or at some future time, do you think it will have a permanent end? I don't believe that the earth will be destroyed by God. I don't believe it will be destroyed by a flood. I think that the world that was being destroyed by fire was Jerusalem because it wasn't world in the scripture it was their oikonomia their economy that age that area that was destroyed by fire then 70 AD the world today i don't believe god is going to destroy it by fire when he returns i don't think a flood's going to destroy it and i think the earth will continue on forever why do i think that because scripture says so Nowhere does Scripture say the world, cosmos, is going to end. But we have passages that say this cosmos will never end. And I just don't see why God would go to the trouble of building a beautiful world and rivers and streams and everything else and only to destroy it. Now, will, could we destroy ourselves? Could humankind eradicate humankind from the earth? Perhaps I don't put that past us and I think we could pollute ourselves to death and I think that we could do things because God has let our own sinful nature pollute the human race too. So we could destroy our own world I think it's incumbent upon Christians to be cognizant of this earth that we've been given. It's a beautiful, wonderful place, and I think we should be the best stewards of it. So I don't think it's going to end the way Christians do. And and, and one of the unfortunate things about that attitude is Christians are some of the worst stewards of material things in this world because they believe God's just going to come and torch it all anyway. So they don't have any real stewardship over the world, and they disassociate that kind of thinking with the hippies of old, And and there's just this big chasm between uh, really faithful Christians and uh, conservation. But I am for stewardship over the beautiful world that God has given us. Um, uh, Michael, or the guy I said, he writes a lot. He keeps writing, 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 writing. And he keeps saying that uh, he keeps going to the dating of books of Scripture If this book of scripture is dated according to the way scholars say it's dated, then your ideas of preterism are lost. This is his big thing. And I told him, listen, go listen to... The Dating of Revelation But Not Marrying Her in Knife to a Gunfight, a book that's free. It'll take you 30 minutes to listen to that section and the dating of Revelation and why the internal evidence for the dating of Revelation is there. And I just want to tell you, Michael, I take the internal proofs of Scripture, um, the claims that Jesus made, the promises Jesus made, the claims the apostles made that he was coming back, In scripture, that he was coming back soon, that he was coming back quickly, that the end was here, as John says, as Peter says, and that it's now upon us and the Antichrist are all around us. As John says, I take their words over 10,000 scholars who date our books in some weird way. Then they don't have any proof for it. They just have very, very scant proof. So uh, listen to that, Michael. And 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 I asked you to do that before. You just keep hitting me with more questions, more stuff. You don't ever do anything I've asked you to do. So just just check that out and see what you think of that. Modern Virus Sean. Oh, this is from Modern Virus. Sean. <laughs> I was say, that's a new one. I can't thank you enough for your show HRTM 1.0, 2.0, and now Redux, exclamation point. It has helped me realize I was in bondage under, hold still, uh the LDS commandments and I'm now turning to Jesus and being set free. Modern virus. I salute you. There's nothing like freedom in Christ, baby. Okay. Uh, we have other she emails going on. I have, um, I just want to be gender neutral here. And, uh, then we also have some other comments. Do we have any in, uh, do we have any, uh, in studio questions to be asked? We do. Well, come on up. Come on up. Have a seat and, and ask your question. And you other guys out there, you guys can think about your question. Here you go, Patrick. This microphone's on green. Thank you. Have a seat and ask your question, brother. Hi, Sean. Hi. Um, I'm
2: more nervous over the camera than I am one-on-one.
0: That's all right, brother. Probably,
2: anyways, um, I have a question. I'm going to pull it up in my notes. Here. All right. But I wanted to write it, so I don't forget. Oh, hi, audience uh, on the internet.
1: Um,
2: first of all, give honor to God; He's my head of my life, and I love Him so much. But my question is: is if sacrament, well, you don't practice sacrament because um, you believe in full preterism that it's not necessary today because of Christ's return. Paul said, "Do this till He comes." Yeah. So, do you believe that even though uh, Christ told his apostles to do sacrament, communion, whatever. Was Christ commanding his apostles then? Was it a commandment then? Yes. Like it does say the Lord's salvation issue commandment?
0: Didn't seem to be. He just gave because that. Because Jesus, command. this
2: is my understanding, Jesus said, um, as often as you do this. So to me, it's like as often as you do this, you're free to do it as often. But he didn't say, like, It's wrong not to do it.
0: Right, but he did say do this.
2: But he did say do it, yeah.
0: Yeah, so I think it was to them, and I think it was for their well-being. You know, if you and I were living under those pressures and we did Mm -hmm. it together, uh, did communion, I think it would be a wonderful thing.
2: Cool, and then, um, um, just 10 seconds, the reason why I love the sacrament, or communion, not of commandment. I don't believe it's a commandment, I don't believe it's necessary, I don't even believe you have to do it at all, But Sometimes I like to take the wine and the bread because it's just a time, it's just a, all it is, is a medit- like you would meditate on the Word of God, you would meditate on certain things, you meditate on your notes before you come here. It's To me, it's the same. I'm just meditating, like reflecting on my relationship with God. It's not a salvation issue.
0: It's awesome. And we've had a lot of emails and comments like that, Patrick, of people who enjoy it, because it gives them that time to reflect and think and, and they use it for that and that's great. Uh, no problem. You know that because we've done it here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think it's more, to me, it's more chiropractic. It's like people who really love rock concert church. Yeah, They feel something in that more than they do just thinking yeah. or whatever, yeah.
2: So people are complaining now about the dating of, um, of the gospels or revelation compared to preterism and this is what a guy he's called Frank Turk or whoever he says last name. He's an apologist. He's all over YouTube. And um, his website, crossexamine.org, he says, for the Gospel of John, because people say it's after 70 AD was written. But he says, now there is in Jerusalem, this is G, the Gospel, by the Sheep Gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, this is the last thing, and then I'll let you go, which has five roofed Colonnades, whatever. Colonnades. These colonnades, along with the rest of the temple, were destroyed by the Romans in AD 70. Could this suggest that John's gospel was written considerably earlier than is often taken for granted? Just
0: He says just something to ponder. Well, I love that. And I challenge those of you who think that John was written after, my friend uh, here in England who's writing all these, He thinks it was written way after because scholars say it was written way after. That's a great internal point.
2: This politician scholar says something different.
0: I know. They all do, don't they? Yeah, it's crazy. Let's love love each other. Thank you, Patrick. Thanks, Sean. Round of applause. You get applause when you show up to the church studio and present a question. We have a caller. Hang on. In the meantime, I want to read a couple of these. Um, This is from Rex Albright. It is four words. Preterism is not true. Exclamation point. <laughs> Larry here uh, just gave a, so you have a friend, Rex. Um, <laughs> the thing, I don't, I don't mind that, that he says that, but why don't you just say this is why and make it a simple thing. This is my first point. Preterism is not true. And it's because this. I, I mean, just to make some declarative statement, anyone can do that. So come on now, Rex. Don't be like Larry. Give me something behind it. Just kidding. All right, we have Justin on air. He says, what does the LDS Church have against taking pictures at events such as weddings, baby blessings, or baptisms? Aren't these things you want to cherish? Yeah, you know, that's kind of the interesting thing. You have to have a special dispensation to bring a camera into any of those events. Um, They kind of play a game, and it's the only way I can explain it. They take things that are joyful in the lives of people that can be seen as uh, sacred, and they super-sacredize them. Everything, they super-sacredize it. And so you don't get to take pictures because it's too sacred. And it keeps this idea of these things that they're doing by ordinance or by uh, proxy in their temples, they're so sacred that they just don't even want them filmed. You know, that's what I, I, I think it leads to this idea. So when the other members are there and, and, and their non-member friend takes out a video camera in the middle of sacrament service to get the baby blessing, everyone says, no, 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 no. We don't do that here. We just participate in spirit. And it adds to this allure that what they're doing is so holy and absolutely binding on earth and in heaven. That's my idea. Also, it's probably just control, and they don't want chaos. They don't like chaos. By the way, Rex Albright, uh, he also wrote, Sean's nitpicking of the prayer is foolish. This this was a six-word statement. I wish, Rex, you'd tell me how my nitpicking of the sacrament prayer is foolish. Please, tell me how, because I think it makes a lot of sense as to how it Replicates what was done at the baptism and how it enforces these things upon the LDS members every week after week after week that they covenant to obey all the commandments that Jesus has given them so that they might have the Holy Spirit with them. I don't think that's nitpicking. And by the way, Rex Albright, I gave the LDS kudos for including two of the biblical reasons why you take communion to take upon the name of Christ and to always remember him. So I was nitpicking on one third of what that prayer was about. So I think you're being nitpicky about me being nitpicky. <laughs> nitpicky. And we have two calls. Uh, let's see. I have one more email to read. Colleen says, stick with the LDS, Sean. That's what you shine. That's where you shine truth because you lived it. However, you think you know about other denominations and you don't. You're making a fool of yourself. Ouch. Colleen. So mean. Uh, But listen, could you give me one example of something I have said about a denomination that I don't know and don't understand and I've said it, making the fool of myself. Please. That's all I ask. If it's something that is true, I'll have to say You're right. I made a fool of myself on that. I didn't know it. I spoke without knowledge. But I really try to say the things I do know as a way to prevent looking like the fool. You might not think that's what the non- denomination's about. That's why I want to see if your information is superior to my expression. All right, Colleen, do that for me, will ya? Donald Lee, are there requirements for becoming a Melchizedek priesthood holder? There are, there are requirements of worthiness, there's requirements of age. And typically, that one thing you have to understand, and there's a comment about baptizing children eight years of age, Mormonism is based on progression. Everything they do is progressive in nature. They're constantly trying to move you through the ranks and it starts young and they move you into uh, getting baptized at eight and then you get the priesthood at 12 you're carrying around the elements of the sacrament and you're blessing it when you're 12 and, and 18. You know, who kn- God knows what those kids are doing, but they're still out there doing the sacred thing. And then you move on to being an elder. And then after that, you move on to and, and you get the Melchizedek Priesthood then. And then there's offices within that Melchizedek Priesthood on the way up to high priest. And then there's positions within being a high priest. So the Melchizedek Priesthood is granted at a certain age 18 is usually the standard time for a worthy member before they go on a mission before they can go into the temple you gotta have the Melchizedek Priesthood and uh, and there's not much more than that, there's no requirements for schooling there's nothing you have to take a test or anything like that. Okay let's go to Marquita in Virginia Marquita, you're on Heart of the Matter
2: Sean I'm your biggest I'm your biggest cheerleader.
0: You're my biggest cheerleader?
1: Yes, I am.
0: I've had some big cheerleaders in my life. Are you sure?
1: Yes, I am. And I'm 5'3",
2: African-American, and 71 years old.
0: Oh, you sound absolutely delightful.
2: (laughs) You have no idea. I have caught you on ex Mormon files and all the rest of my life. This man is powerful in his spirit. And I just wanted to call this say, Can I call this man and tell him thank you? I watch on YouTube all the time. Hey,
0: thank I, you, Sean. I love you, and thank you for introducing yourself and taking the time to call us, Marquita.
2: God bless you God and bless your ministry.
0: God bless you, my sister. Same thing. Okie dokie. Okay, bye. Bye. Wow, what a great call. That makes you so happy. All right, listen, we have... Earl Erskine commented, we know Bishop Earl, he has uh, the show that we're familiar with, Ex-Mormon Files. He says, really impactful, talking about last night, Monday's presentation. Hopefully it makes someone start thinking about what they truly believe and practice. And he wrote, love the little anaconda example. You have to watch last night's show. It's in the archives, H-O-T-M. .faith, if you just want to see what the little anaconda example is. Uh, But Earl seemed to like that one. Okay, hold on. Let's see. What else do we have here? Uh, Let's see here. We have Caleb Pontius. How would you rank the Jehovah's Witness Church and Watchtower compared to the LDS Church in controlling members? Some stuff I've looked up sounds familiar to what I went through in the LDS church. And listen, Caleb, uh, I don't know much about Jehovah's Witnesses. I know very little. I know about Charles Taz uh, Russell. And I actually have a magazine with Charles Taz Russell celebrating Christmas. (laughs) 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 It's classic. There's Christmas bulbs and all stuff. And he's sitting there holding a, a thing of wine and he's celebrating Christmas as an older man. So the Jehovah's Witnesses don't celebrate Christmas, Charles Taz was doing it. Anyway, I don't know, I know that they're cultic, I know that they're controlling, they use totalistic methods. I know they have a lot of stances that they've made against society and war and conscientious objections, stuff like that. So yeah, they're just like LDS, but in a different way. Um, Lori Nelson says, now I understand why I feel much more freedom since I left Mormonism, love your shows. Lori, uh, yeah, you do. Most people, Bishop Earl will attest to this, and if you've ever been LDS, most people admit to there being um, a, a weight lifted off when they're able to get away from it. There's a weight because they put so much weight upon their members to perform. Donald Lee, we already read that. Joseph Morgan. Why is it that Mormons think an eight-year-old has the mental maturity to make such an important and eternal lasting decision for baptism? And again, it starts with what I said. There's a progression, and they move you forward and through. And what happens is the chaff of life fall out early, and then the weaker fall—I mean, the little bit stronger fall out when they're teens— And then you get into your 20s and they have a certain percentage that fall out. And then uh, you get up into your marriage age and there's another percentage that fall out. So by the time you get into full blown adulthood, for those who are not converts, those people have gone through the ropes and are so convinced of the truth of the gospel from thousands of testimony meetings and thousands of uh, other experiences they've had in the Mormon church, it's almost impossible to get them out of it. And it's pretty smart. Deborah says, Does the LDS convert at 20 in his second year of his mission have a clue about what this religion is about? Does that LDS convert at 20 in his second year of his mission have a clue? I don't know. Um he,
1: the mission is to, to convert
0: him. He, she's saying, I think, that a 20-year-old on a mission, the second year of his mission, does he have a clue of what the Mormon church is about? If he's a no, prophet. and I'm saying the Mormon church is using the mission to convert the missionary. Oh. Because he's converted. Oh. Uh, Dave and uh, is is adding in the idea that the Mormon Church uses the mission to take young malleable minds who normally would be smoking pot at college, and get them into the mission experience, and they learn about the church, and they're inculcated through that means. So whether the LDS missionary in his second year knows uh, what the church is all about. He knows better what it's all about by the time he leaves, but only from a superficial stance. Mormon missionaries do not know the real history of the church. They don't know their doctrine uh, if, if it could save them. They just don't. Most of them don't. I can't use that generally, but most do not. And so the LDS Church uses that mission experience really well. So that's a good point, Brother Dave. Listen, uh, we are out of time um, I have some emails and I want to get to a really important email from my friend Adnan, uh, but I haven't been able to get to it yet, but I will do that uh, soon. And um, we love you and thanks for tuning in. Remember, Monday night, the presentation, one half hour, make comments, write notes, post them, call in send emails, come to the live audience, get up on stage, on camera, talk with me. No matter what faith, what religion, we'll see you here on Heart of the Matter.